Welcome to another episode of The Uphill Goat. This is episode number 120. As always, this is your host, Andrew Conover. Today we have a special, a special guest and friend, Timo Mostert, who is the head coach of the American Fork cross-country running team. He has had 10 state championship wins in the past 14 years, two second-place finishes at national championships, and a number of top set finishes at nationals as well. He is one of the most successful running coaches to ever coach, and he has set number of athletes to the college level and professional level who are, are running some of the best in the world. And I really hope that you enjoyed this show and our conversation about training, uh, nutrition, visualization, the mental side of racing, and the things that he have found to be most important. Hi, Andrew. Hey, Timo. How are you? Doing great. You did. It's been a while. How's life? Oh, it's doing great. I had practice this morning. Things are going good. Nice. How's the team looking this year? Uh, we've got six varsity guys back, so we should be all right. Nice. That's sweet. My fun. And are you still teaching as well or just coaching now? No, I retired during COVID from okay. teaching, so I'm just coaching. Very nice. That's awesome. Well, thanks so much for joining me on the show here. This is a, this will be fun to catch up and kind of dive into some of your coaching and, and story. But maybe to start, I'd love to kind of hear what got you into running your story with running and how you ended up coaching in that kind of whole process. Wow. Um, well, back in the seventies, you know, we only had two channels of TV. And so I, I grew up in Western Illinois. And, uh, so we were active in sports year round, always outside outdoors. And, uh, in sixth grade, we had a, a, uh, school district track meet all the grade schools. And, and I thought it was a lot of fun. So when I got to junior high, I, um, you know, still full-time sports a year round. And then uh, in the spring was track season. So I joined the track team and, and uh, ran the 880. Now we do the 800 meters. It's metric instead of imperial measurement. But I did the 880 in junior high and cross country coach came to a meet and said, hey, you're going to run cross country. And I was too small to I played full in the spring in junior high and or in the in the fall in junior high played football and I realized well I'm less than five feet tall weigh about 95 pounds so I don't think I'm going to play a lot of football even if I got for the team so I started running cross country then um, ran all through high school ran junior college before my mission for the Church of Jesus Christ and our day Saints came back um, off my mission and ran at BYU uh, I started out in college in engineering and then just had this urge that I want to coach. So I changed my major to math and uh, physics and secondary education and, and got my degree in, to teach mathematics and uh, just started coaching right out of college. And 36 years later, I'm still coaching. Wow. Did you start right at American Fork High School? No, I, I was at, I first got hired out of BYU at Murray High School and was there for mm -hmm. 10 years. Oh, wow. And uh, not a big city guy and Salt Lake was really big. So I uh, didn't like the travel and, and all the traffic and the pollution. And so I was glad to make it back down to Utah County. Nice. Okay. That's great. And so, and you're from Illinois, then you grew up your whole life in Illinois? Yeah, most of it, yeah. That's really cool. So for those who don't know, I first met Timo my sophomore year in high school, I believe, when he was my math teacher in high school. And it was great, great teacher, great coach. Um, so obviously you've coached for a long time now. You've seen a lot of different athletes. Uh, you've really kind of, you, ha you're, you have a system down, you produce some of the best cross-country athletes. Um, in the nation and world regularly. Tell us maybe a little bit about a week in training. What does a week look like for your varsity runners? Well, um, first thing is uh, for a coach, 
to get as athletes to be really good, you have to have a basic philosophy of what's going to make them fast and what's going to allow them to train at an optimal level. Because I'm sure your your podcast is mainly to mountain bikers. Yeah, correct. Because that's your sport, right? So Exactly. So I try to uh, put this in context where maybe it has applicability to any type of endurance sport. Um, and so uh, when I was a young coach, I was kind of back in the 80s and 90s, the, the philosophy was low volume, high intensity. We found out, I found out personally that, that I wasn't getting the results that were satisfying to me. And so doing research, talking to other coaches, um, experimenting on myself, and then taking what I found worked well and going back to the training I had in the 70s as an athlete, I changed my philosophy around build uh, to build the aerobic engine. That's what our philosophy is based around. And so what we're trying to do is run optimal paces um, for enough mileage that's going to affect the biggest or get the most bang for our buck. You know, for a, for a person in, in business, that would be uh, ROE, right? Return on investment, ROI, return on investment. Yeah. We want to get the maximal return for the investment that we're putting in. And so we do a lot of aerobic work. I've gotten away from doing a tremendous amount of anaerobic work. It tears the guy's legs up and, and we just weren't getting the results. We're actually a lot faster now doing aerobic work than we were doing a tremendous amount of anaerobic work. So during the summer, a typical week uh, would be, we do a, a famous run called the grinder on Mondays. It's uh, uh, we run about three miles over to Pleasant Grove. And then we have a 1.3 mile uphill which is 11th East starts at Canyon Road and goes up the hill for 1.3 miles with 400 feet of elevation change. So it's pretty intense. And uh, then the varsity, the older guys will go over uh, up to a little pinnacle right by the Forest Service Road. They're right above uh, Pleasant Grove's uh, mountain biking course, which you're well familiar with. Yeah. And so we call it Mountain Dew Hill. Mm -hmm. Um, and it goes up to 5,280 feet, so another 180 feet. And uh, so I, so it's about 10.8 miles total for the boys on Monday. And then all my older boys, they also do every day a half, a half hour recovery run. Mm. During the school year, we do that in the morning with our workouts in the afternoon. But during the summer, especially when it's hot, we'll do our workout in the morning and the recovery run in the afternoon. Mm. And so on Mondays, they're getting between 12 and 15 miles of, of running total. Tuesday, this morning, we did uh, a six-mile run. And our usual runs, which I call intermediate runs, between five and eight miles, uh, we try to do at what's called aerobic threshold pace. So it's the maximal pace that you can hold forever if you had the energy stores. Obviously, you, you can bonk out by not having enough uh, glycogen stored up in your muscle tissue. Um, but so we tried, and this is the key to our training, is we try to hit aerobic threshold pace for as many miles as possible mm -hmm. during the week. It's usually between 20 and 25, 30 miles. Uh, they'll do a recovery run tonight. Tomorrow, we meet with the whole team and I think we have a five-miler plan. We're, we, this is only the third week of training. And so the young guys are doing, I'm gradually building up their mileage. Um, a safe rule is 10% uh, increase per week. Hmm. So if they started at 30 miles, then this week they're, they're close to being able to get 36 to 37 miles total. And we'll build up, we want to average, the varsity boys are already doing their recovery runs, so they're trying to average about 60 miles a week or over the summer. Okay. And during the entire year. Um, that translates in biking, 
I, I use a basic rule. It's about two and a half to three miles of biking for one mile of running. Yeah. So, you know, 150 to 180 miles might be a, consider a really good week for a biker, mm. um, for a runner, you know, like I said, for our high school boys is about 60. Um, we have a lot of boys running in college right now and they're, they're getting 80 to 120 miles a week, depending on how old they are and how much experience they've had at the college level. Um, and, um, so that's our guidelines. So Wednesday we'll do right now we're just in base phase. So we're doing intermediate runs Tuesday through Friday, Friday. We like to go somewhere and do a trail run. Oh, fun. Um, to get out of town and just make it fun for the kids. We'll, we'll go up to, uh, everything. Well, let's see, we did the art die park. Uh, we did the section that goes up from Lone Peak High to um, American Fork Canyon mm. last Friday, the Friday before we did the Jordan River Trail down by Willow Park in Lehigh. Um, this week, we're going to do the Art Guy Trail up to where there used to be a green gate up on the north side of the seminary building at Lone Peak. Okay. Um, next week, we'll do Provo Canyon and do Bridal Bell Falls. We'll do trail runs um up on the backside of Timpanogos we have a camp in July where we we uh we go up American Fork Camp Canyon and camp out for 3 days and run twice a day up there. Wow. So that's usually how our and then Saturday is um our long run long runs between 70 and 90 minutes once again we're trying to hit aerobic threshold pace. Mm. So we're just trying to uh and the long run 70 to 90 minutes is is enough of a stimulus to get capillarization in our lungs and muscle tissue. You know, capillaries are the small blood vessel vessels. So if we can build the number of capillaries, then we, your body can be more efficient transporting oxygen through your blood system to your muscle tissue. So that improves the aerobic, your aerobic engine. And that's, that's our goal. Later in the summer, we'll start doing longer repeats, uh, three by one mile, six by 800, five by 1000 meters, four by 1200 meters, something longer with plenty of rest. And we try to start at about three mile race pace since our races are three miles or 5,000 meters uh, in high school cross country. So um, we'll try to do about three miles of intensity with lots of rest. And we'll start at three mile race pace and go negative splits. Mm. So they start developing the mindset of of being to go faster when they're tired. And uh, uh, that helps them also understand that they can't go out way fast. They want to go out at their goal pace and then hit negative splits. And so building the aerobic engine has allowed us to do that. So that's what a typical week uh, looks like. We also do later um, what we used to call in the 70s anaerobic threshold runs. I personally call them power runs with my athletes. So we're going about in running, we're going about a minute slower than our two mile personal best. So it's uh, it's anaerobic threshold. So we're trying to get the body adapted to being able to um, clear out black blood lactate, get rid of the acidosis efficiently, uh, but not push into the racing. Uh, we're not feeling like we're racing, we're feeling like we're running with power. And so that allows us um, to, to do that. So those are kind of the most important workouts that we do during the year, but the whole emphasis and the whole philosophy is based on is if we improve our, improve our aerobic engine, uh, then we'll be able to race faster than everybody else and hold pace and actually go negative splits and blow them away with our pace. Wow. Yeah, no, that's, it's super cool how congruent that is with cycling training, how for, we kind of follow the 80-20 principle or even even 85-15 a lot of times with, you know, the vast majority of our training being focused on that aerobic engine as well. Um, do you do any yeah, sort of... In running, in running 80-20, that 20 would be a little too much. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so, you know, we might have, well, hardly anything. At the end of repeat workouts, we'll do stride laps. And so they're jogging the turns on the track and then accelerating to full sprint. So that's 
um, that helps us with our kick and also with the uh, with our lactic anaerobic systems. But twenty percent of our mileage at anaerobic paces, you know, VO two max or faster, would be just way too much. And so, yeah, um, that some of the philosophy back from the seven uh, from the eighties and nineties, and even back in the sixties, there were some guys that espoused that, but. Um, it might work better with mountain biking, but for, for mm. running high school runners, that 20% anaerobic would be way too, much. too high. Yeah. Yeah. That's super interesting. Do you do any sort of tests to figure out their aerobic threshold paces? Obviously it'd be different for, for me versus your top varsity runner who, are, you know, versus people with different speeds will have different aerobic pace. Is that correct? Yeah. So what, um, anything to figure that out? I just, you know, there's there's many different tables you can find online, like with Dr. Tom Schwartz, Tin Man. Um, he has tables for, for all your different paces that you want. Hmm. I just use, with my runners, I just use some basic rules, like I said, for our anaerobic threshold or power run pace, we'll do our two-mile personal best plus a minute, so 30 seconds okay. per mile slower. Um, for our intermediate runs where we want our anaerobic threshold, usually what we do is we take our three mile race pace per mile and add 45 seconds to it. Mm. So a kid who's about 16 minutes would be about 605 pace mm. per mile. Yeah. And then what about for the aerobic workouts? Well, that that's for, that's our aerobic. Oh, um, gotcha. Okay. Threshold. So cool. So I that's see. for our intermediate runs and our long run. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. And our, our, uh, recovery runs are usually pretty slow. You know, they might start even around nine minute pace, eight minute pace. It just should be easy conversational pace to loosen up the body, get out residual hmm. gunk from the, from the muscle tissue and from the bloodstream. And, and, uh, so almost half of our total mileage, if you count up their recovery runs, Plus warm ups and cool downs from workouts and their warm up miles on their intermediate runs. Cause we'll go easy for about a mile and then start pushing into our aerobic threshold pace. So almost uh, 45 to 50% of our mileage is very easy miles. Okay. And the other wow. is mainly we're trying to get as many miles as possible at aerobic threshold. And that's what's mm. building our engine. Yeah, that's super cool. Um, so the recovery runs, you have them do a recovery run every day. Yeah. Wow. So just 30 minutes on their own or with a friend. It's not, not as a team. No, we, we do it together. Oh, you we do. Okay. Yeah. During the school year, we always met at six 30 in the morning mm -hmm. and went for a half hour and then they could shower, eat, get ready for the school day. Yeah. Um, so they got all the good parking spots in the high school parking lot. Nice. Yeah. That's awesome. That's super interesting. I'd be curious to experiment with that myself for cycling. Um, what led to having them do that recovery run every day? Uh, every coach that I've ever had, starting back to my, my first two high school coaches, um, had me do morning runs, run doubles. Okay. And so it's something I grew up with and I needed a way to get investment by my athletes to understand how it was important. Um, you know, if we want to try to get all the top teams in the U.S. get around 60 miles a week, there's some t schools and teams that get more. Now, if you're running singles and you're trying to get 60 a week, that's 10 miles a day. Right. But if we can break that up in like four in the morning and six in the afternoon, we're we're still getting uh, our mileage in. Um, the uh, the morning runs, as well as recovery, it, it's really good for uh, psychologically of relaxing, getting loose. Um, there's a lot of um, a lot of body chemicals, brain chemicals that release in the morning um, from doing exercise in the morning, which helps them actually in school, mm. and and it also helps with recovery. So so to insist that we're going to keep it easy. Uh, we're getting our mileage in it's low impact or it's less impact than hammering everything. And, uh, 
like I said, it's it's a win-win for the for the for our program, and it's really been beneficial. Instead of having to go ten to twelve miles every afternoon, right? Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Um, it probably helps the team kind of just bond together to be able to just talk more while they're running, have good yeah. kind of good time together. Super cool. That's uh, yeah, I'm I'm going to probably start researching and experimenting that from a cycling standpoint. I think that would be cool to implement um let's do you i'm curious do you do any sort of like psychological sports psychology things with your team to help them with the mental side of racing absolutely um we talk a lot about um mindset how if you have a hard workout uh what's your goal are you just going to survive the workout or you want to conquer the workout Mm. and conquering doesn't mean going way harder than your body's capable of doing it's hitting the correct paces to get the optimal adaptation um so we talk a lot about that mindset of of conquering um when it comes to race time are you going to run a race or are you going to race and that's you know, you always want to have this feeling, and that's why we emphasize negative splits in practice, because you race how you train. Right. And so whatever behavior you want to see in your competitions, or if you're a, a, a cycling coach or a running coach, whatever behaviors you want to see on race day, you're going to need to practice them so they become second nature to your athletes. Mm-hmm. And... um so we talk a lot about mindset, what we should be thinking about in practice, and that'll carry over in the event, um, their competitions. But also, usually the morning of race day, um, I will do a visualization session with them. And uh, that that's very helpful for them. It, it calms them down. You know, you don't want to be too high if, if you know the Yerkes Dodson rule uh, law which you're, says that your amount of anxiety or tension, um, if if it goes up too high, your performance level drops. So it's, it's also called the inverted U theorem. Not, not enough anxiety and you have low performance okay. because you haven't gotten your, your, yourself physically and mentally prepared to race. Too much anxiety and you're tight and you can't race tight. Right. And so so it looks like an upside down U. That's why it's called also the inverted U theorem. Hmm. And so we want to get them uh, pretty centered. Um, so we'll do that in our visualization. We'll actually visualize our entire race, whether it's in track on the track or a cross-country course. So I have to know the cross-country course to help them. Uh-huh. Um, and we'll visualize the entire race. And uh, we actually have three components that we work on in our visualization sessions. We'll lay down in a dark room, like the yoga room over at the high school with the lights off. We'll lay down on yoga mats and I will talk and they'll they'll go through. So we start with visualization of the race and then we do what's called progressive relaxation, where you te- take each component of the body and you tighten up like you start with your hands and you tighten it really tight Mm. and then you relax it out and then the third part is energization where we visualize ourselves being like a battery and we are energizing ourselves so we we are full of energy and we're prepared for our race and so um if you watch our team at any race we don't there's a lot of teams at the starting line that jump up and down screaming you know their team cheer whatever and we don't do that at all because what it does is it jacks them up and then they go out too fast because they're all jacked up. Right. And we want to be level-headed. We want to be concentrating on, on the thing. And, and if you watch uh, a professional track meet or like the NCAA championships was this last weekend, everybody is calm, relaxed, trying to stay loose, t- trying to stay in the zone or get in the zone without Mm. jacking themselves up too high and getting, because that tightens you up, but it also, you, you lose the opportunity to run your race. You're, you're, you're you're not going to run your race. You're going to run either somebody else's races or the wrong race by going out too fast. Mm. 
So we do a lot of visualization and want also during practice, you know, we're like I said, you race how you train. So the specific behaviors that we want to see on race day, we're actually practicing and talking about them. This is important for us. That's why we do stride laps. It's going to help us with our kick. It's going to help us. And at the end of repeat workouts, we'll do a kick simulation on the last repeat mm-hmm. where they are practicing their kicks. So when they get to me, they know it's going to be there. You have 60 seconds of anaerobic capacity at the end of a race to use. It's in reserve. You've been using your aerobic system. so. We have to talk about these things. We practice it so that hopefully all those little components that that contribute to a great race and PRs or a championship, they've been in place from the first day of practice. We did stride laps our first practice two weeks ago. Mm. So getting them in that mindset, getting them to understand every single thing we do has been scientifically proven to work. and. We're going to be consistent at doing them, and that consistency is key to, to uh, helping them uh, achieve their their eventual goals. Wow. Yeah, you said a lot of really great things there. I love the focus on visualization. That's something I try to do as well as I'm falling asleep. Generally, the night before a race, I'll I'll kind of go through the entire course, imagine each section, really go through the difficult sections of a course, Imagine riding it perfectly over and over again um, and having a good start, you know, doing every everything that I would like to do well in a race. I'm curious, kind of shifting gears a little bit, what does strategy look like in a running race? Like in, in biking, there's there's elements of, you know, placement that are really important, going in a single track and drafting can be important depending on the course. Um, where like... And then, but then there's also the element of just racing your race, like you were talking about, not really like sometimes depending on the course, I'll focus on racing the course rather than the competitors. Mm-hmm. I'm curious on your thoughts on that, the things that you've experienced and seen to work best for your athletes. Oh, definitely. Uh, you got to know the course. Um, like you said, if there's single track, um, you might have to put in a search to get ahead of a group, because if you're stuck behind the group, then you slow down when they slow down. Right. You lose your momentum. So you need to know the course. You need to know where there are places to attack, mm. um, some strategic places. Other than that, on a lot of courses, um, and we'll scout them out, even even nationals course or or our regionals course in Arizona, we'll go through and, and I will go go on it with the boys and we'll stop at different points and talk about what should be our strategy here? Um, but definitely, yeah, if you you need to know your opponents and what their ca- common, well, what their characteristics are of how they race, because I know for a fact that there are certain teams in this state who their coaches teach them to go out way hard. Mm. And so we can use that to our advantage. Or if there are teams that run certain sections a specific way um, and we don't want to do what they do if it's going to be detrimental to the overall race. We want to have our strategy and if we follow our strategy, we will have an advantage over over them. Wow. And and so definitely those those things. And once again, you've got to practice that in practice. And the thing about visualization, like yesterday morning we did the grinder, I had the guys just a couple minutes and we do this sometimes in repeat workouts and other workouts, just take a couple minutes, relax and think about what you want to accomplish that day. Maybe a a spot on the hill that's tough for you and how you're going to conquer it. Once again, getting that, that mindset of conquering the workout instead of just surviving it. Wow. Do you still uh, give your athletes t-shirts if they hit certain time segments on, on the grinder? Yeah. Yeah. We still give out, I conquered the grinder t-shirts if they break nine minutes. Okay. Nine minutes. That's yeah. Awesome. And also a few years ago, I was teaching at a coach's clinic in Boulder, Colorado, the Boulder clinics and a coach from Illinois was talking about, uh, he had a national championship team in 2007 and his top boy won that race and was uh, um, a phenomenal collegiate and post-collegiate runner after that. 
and he called them aerobic monsters. Mm. And so I got t-shirts made up called aerobic monster. And so if the athletes can break 15 minutes for three miles at altitude or 920 in the 3200 or 420 in the 1600 at altitude, then they earn aerobic monster status. Nice. And, uh, you know, incentives like that, but also it, it makes them know that, hey, I'm pretty elite. Uh-huh. And I can do good things and, and college coaches are going to uh, want me on their teams and, and I'm going to get some opportunities to get maybe part of my education paid for. Right. Um, and be able to keep enjoying this, this great sport. Huh. That's fantastic. If I go break nine on the grinder, would you give me a t-shirt? Uh, if you're, no, no, because you're out of high school. Shots. <laughs> um, we, we had actually a team from, from uh, Nevada. Um, they're, they're training with us this week. Their coach brought them up and they've been training. Oh. So they went and did the grinder with us this morning. Will I give them a t-shirt? No, it's just for our team. But right. I gave them, I had a big box of old extra t-shirts from past years and stuff. So I let them go through and get a caveman cross-country t-shirt from a nice. previous year. But <laughs> No, I conquered the grinder t-shirts are just special for our athletes on our team. Yeah, that makes sense. That's super if cool. everybody came and did the grinder with us, broke nine, got a t-shirt, I'd be bankrupt. <laughs> we, we, we've had teams from California, from Kansas, really? from, from Nevada, from Oregon come train with us. So, and individuals from all over the United States. Mm, that's super. Yeah, wow. You guys are definitely a team to come train with. It sounds like a lot of people come to you. Yeah. Do you ever go to other teams to train with them or does it just teams come to you? Um, we have in the past. We we used to, uh, when we were in the same region with Tempview, we would go uh, invite them for run. Then we go to run. We used to do that with Westlake and with a couple other high schools. We just go like one day and run with them or have them come and run with us for one day. But um, like I said, we do get teams or individuals from around the nation come to, and especially want to do the grinder. There's a video on YouTube of, of, uh, that flow track did in 2016 of our team doing the grinder and it's got over 300,000 views. So, wow. So it's really well known by a lot of coaches and a lot of athletes around the yeah. nation. You've made it famous for sure. Yeah. That's, and you do it every Monday. Every Monday during the summer. Yeah. When we're racing, we don't do it because it would be uh, too much you know, when yeah. we're trying to prepare for race. But in the preseason and in the postseason, in between, we've got a three-week block between, a three-and-a-half-week block between state and regionals. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll do the grinder that. And then um, during indoor track and, and in the preseason of outdoor track, we go back and do the grinder. Our last one in track is during spring break weekend uh, week. We'll do the grinder that Monday. Yeah. Wow. It's a staple. Yeah. Nice. That's awesome. What does training look like on a race week for you guys? Um, well, obviously we wouldn't do the grinder on Monday. We might do move our repeats um, from Wednesday or Thursday or our power run to maybe a, a Monday and then a Wednesday if we're racing on Saturday or even Friday. Um we might do, you know, three by one mile on Monday and then a power run on Wednesday. Um, and try to, and then, you know, intermediate runs the day before a race where we're obviously not going to do aerobic threshold pace. We're trying to get our body ready. We'll still get our volume in, but it'll be, it'll be, uh, I call it follow coach pace. Nice. I used to run with the guys and now I'm on a, I'm so old, I'm on a bicycle. (laughs) And so I'll just make sure the pace is a little easier, maybe seven minute pace or 7.30 pace and and, uh, cut down the mileage in the afternoon to four to five miles. Mm. Um, So they're still getting eight to nine miles the day before a meet, but their legs are loosened up. They, and we'll go to a park somewhere and we'll sit and talk and get all the logistics about the meet out of the way. I'll assign athletes um, to lead warm-ups and cool-downs for each event group because you might have JV races, a freshman race or a frost-off race, a junior-senior race, and then the varsity race. So so we plan out all that. We'll discuss 
um, what to bring, um, how to prepare your your meal the night before the, the pre-race meal in the morning and uh, hydration. And, and we'll talk about all of the logistical things that will aid mm -hmm. them in being prepared for their race, packing up their bag, what they need to bring you know, gear wise um, so that there are no surprises there. They're there to race. They're there to to uh, and they're prepared to do everything right. And you do that before every race. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Because usually I'm pretty busy at races. Either I'm officiating, you know, in track, I might be officiating or I might be the announcer. So mm. these boys, you you give them ownership for their preparation. They know what to do. They go out and do it. They execute their race plan um, because they might not see me more than two or three minutes after we get off the bus. Right. And so uh, I teach them to be independent and, and, uh, and also gives them responsibilities. We usually have great team captains to take care of varsity or if a team captain happens to be JV, he can take care of that group. But, you know, we start them early. If you're a freshman race, I'll put some freshmen or two freshmen in charge of warmups and cool downs. And they yeah. know exactly what to do because we've practiced it. Our warmups and cool downs on race day are the same as in, in practice. Mm. So they know exactly what to do. Yeah. So you do the same. Do you just do that warm up for hard days or do you do those for every every run? Well, yeah, usually if you're going to do a warm up, um, we don't warm up before our intermediate runs or our long run. Yeah. We just get into the run and, and have an easy first mile and then get into it. And okay. we do all our team stretches after after our workouts before we and before we go into the weight room for a lifting session or a core session okay um but yeah bef uh what we do for meet days is exactly what we do on uh our like a, re a repeat workout like we're doing five by one thousand so we'll do a mile warm-up with uh and in, in the middle of it a mile to a mile and a half warm up and in the middle of it we'll throw in a really hard 200 meters mm. to get vasodilation going yeah um, and then you know at least two to two to three miles cool down afterwards and a team stretch so um, we model that in practice and so they're comfortable with it once again what you're trying to do on race day is is make sure they're not too anxious and so familiarity with what to do leads to less anxiety, pre-race mm. anxiety. Yeah, interesting. And how often do you do strength and core work? We lift Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and we do core Tuesday, Thursday. And then every morning after our morning run, we'll go in and do 10 pull-ups, 20 dips, and 40 crunches for general strength. Okay. So what does, and what would a normal strength session look like for you guys? Um, we do four, um, we just do four lifts. We try to do two to three sets of eight to 12 reps. We'll do bench press. We'll do dumbbell runners, which is you take dumbbells 90 degrees. And so just like our driving motion, if you're driving up hills or sprinting, yeah. you want to have that same motion. So we're working the deltoids and it, it also helps the core because we're doing everything with dumbbells standing up. We'll yeah. do forearm curls and not bicep curls because it helps strengthen the wrists and the forearms a little bit better, mm. which once again are very important for um, in in running, especially sprinting uh, your kick and, and running when you're when you're fatigued, your arms usually go fast. And so we want that strength. And then we do a triceps exercise, usually back scratchers, you okay. know, with a tricep. We want to so it sounds like all we're doing is a lot of upper body work. We don't do, because we're running hills so often, I don't see a point of doing lunges or, mm. or squats or, or any Olympic lifting. I know some programs that maybe feel like they need to do that, but because we run so many hills, you know, if we go north from the high school or east from high school, we're going to hit hills right. pretty soon. And so um, those are the four exercises that, that we work on. And um, they all work core because three of those exercises, you're standing and so you're stabilizing yeah. your body. That's why I like uh, using 
uh, free weights and and not machines because it does work the core as well as the target areas that you're working on. So you do really focus on the upper body, engaging the core in all of your workouts, and you do core. You do core Tuesday and Thursday, you said? Tuesday and Thursday. Awesome. Yeah, it's kind of like an eight-minute abs type okay. kind of routine. Yeah. A lot of crutches, obliques, planks, mm. uh, you know, bicycles. Um, yeah, around the world. It okay. takes, you know, it's kind of like an eight-minute abs thing. We started that about 15 years ago, and it's been real effective. I couldn't get investment in the boys trying to get them to do core more than just some crunches and 40 mm. crunches a day is definitely not enough. That's what we're doing in the morning. Boys are doing that. I always do a hundred crunches every morning and every oh. evening. So I'm old and <laughs> trying to get rid of the gut and it doesn't work, nice. but at least I got strength underneath. <laughs> uh -huh. Wow. Yeah, that's a lot. Say the eight minute and then other engagement as well. I'm curious, Tima, what keeps you motivated? You've won how many state championships have you won as a team 10 and 10 10 and cross country have you won a national championship yet no we've had three second places okay. we've we've had um 12 top 10 finishes at nationals wow okay and how many of those 10 state championship wins like how many have been in the last 10 years um let's see our first one was in 2009 so 10 state okay. championships in in 14 years yeah you're basically winning every year now like it's i remember like when i was in high school it was like if they didn't win it was surprising you know you guys are just dominating um that, is that still exciting for you do you are you are you do you have a goal to win a national championship what are kind of your hopes as a coach well definitely it, it's always exciting because it's always a new gr group of boys, you know, the, the boys that were on that first team 2009, um, they're like 30 years old, 31, <laughs> you know, they're, they're old guys. They have families. Um, they're some of them, you know, we've got one that's one or two that are still running professionally. We've got, got a lot of guys in college racing. Mm. Um, some have graduated and you know they're they're married they have careers um they might still be doing some some racing but it's a new group every year and so it's exciting to see how how far we can go how much can we improve um and definitely you know our goal every year is is to be state champions first and foremost um but then to be on the podium or, or be national champions um yeah, you, you got to shoot high, but then you definitely have to make sure that you have a plan in place that you're getting the correct training to make that a a viable goal, hmm. and not just oh, because I remember when I was a young coach, uh, our our goal every year is to be state champions, but I wasn't giving them the correct training, hmm. and and so we had a one second place finish my first ten years coaching, but. We're, we did not have any state. I didn't win my first state championship till uh, 22nd, my 22nd year coaching. Wow. So I had to get the correct training that would allow the athletes to realize their goals. Yeah. Do you, and do you ever have a problem getting enough athletes that are willing to fully commit and be all in with racing? Or do you always have enough of a pool that that's not a problem? Um. <clears throat> You have to think long term because uh, just because you have kids who are invested doesn't mean that they're they're physically prepared to mm. go fast enough to beat the competition. Yeah, um, it might take. Uh, we had a kid on varsity this year. He he was a senior and he finally made varsity. You know he wasn't fast enough last year to help us contribute in any way, but this year. Um, he got a vision of what he himself could be, and he was able to run fast enough to contribute on varsity. Mm. Um, and he wasn't thinking of running in college, but now because of the success he had this year, he was able to get a scholarship to go run in college. 
Wow. That's something that a year ago he wasn't even thinking about. Mm. So, yeah, you have to provide them with the with the support, with the correct training, and the opportunities. And uh, um, I always tell the kids, I cannot motivate you. I'll try to inspire you, but it's impossible for me to motivate you. You have to be self-motivating. And if they can be self-motivated, then they're going to be way more successful. And especially if if they consider the team goals first before their individual goals, because you don't have control over what anybody else is doing, even the members of your team, right. your teammates, uh, you have no control over how much they're progressing or anything. So if you concentrate on your own training, but with the sight, the vision that I'm contributing to the team, I want to contribute to the success of the team. Mm. Um, that That's when great things can happen. Yeah. Okay. I, yeah, that's, that's super cool. And are you planning on staying with cavemen until you retire for good then? Or what are your, your long-term yeah. plans? Yeah. Oh, okay. definitely. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why, but since I retired from teaching a lot of coaches, I think they just don't want to coach against me anymore. They're like, when are you retiring? I'm like, <laughs> I, I just finally say, I'll probably get fired before I retire. <laughs> you'll you'll just retire with your death probably <laughs> so yeah. then wow that's super amazing what a what a blessing for american Ford high school to have you as as their head coach for so long now and, and moving forward that's that's super great do you ever do you still work ever with the athletes that move on and start racing in college or professionally um no, I don't provide them any training. I'll talk to them when I see them. You know, I'll, yeah. I, I like going down to meets at BYU because we have a lot of athletes over the years who've been able to go there, and and it's really neat to see their progression and and uh, and their their success and uh, be able to talk to them and see how their training is going and and remind them of the things that got them there, mm. and if they just stick stick with those basic fundamentals that they're going to continue to have success. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, one thing that I loved about your classroom is that there were quotes all over the walls about all kinds of stuff. Um, I'm curious, do you have a favorite quote, something that guides you? Um, uh, this morning on my bike ride, I just thought, love one another. And mm. and that, because I saw a Black Lives Matter flag in somebody's window, and I'm just yeah. like, that, why don't we just love one another? Don't <laughs> worry about skin color or just just be nice to everybody and love one another. And if, and if, if you're trying to love others, um, it always comes back fourfold. And so, um, you know, that's why I emphasize the team so much. And and when the athletes invest themselves in their teammates, in their team, um, like I said, they have greater success. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's I love that. Love one another definitely is a good fundamental principle for life. Um, one thing that I find really interesting, too, about you, Timo, is that you're also part of a band, right? You're a musician. Yeah, fun. I've had fun over the years, yeah. Nice. And you play the guitar? Yeah. Okay, electric guitar, bass, all of them? Interesting. Yeah, drums, drums. harmonica, okay. bass, guitars, yeah. You do all kinds of stuff. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yep, we just had Cave Stock a few weeks, three weeks ago, and uh, it was a lot of fun. Our teacher band, Teenage Lobotomy, played, and I hosted, and nice. Matt was the master of ceremonies for I don't know how many years. <laughs> and uh we had a lot of fun mm. mr lind and mr slaybaugh are currently <laughs> playing in the band wow it, it it's fun yeah do you participate in that every year then yeah really cool and have yeah, you been that ever, ever since you've been at af yeah since uh the summer or the spring of 1999 nice yep since cave stock right. started Okay. Oh, that was when Cave Start started, huh? I think it was. They yeah. might have had one the year before I got here in '98, but gotcha. um, no, every year since. Yeah, I they think just expect the... me to do it. Nice. Do you like kind of? So you like host the teacher band then every year? You like yeah. Kind of happen? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
I think that's one of the best events AFI does. It's so fun. Such a good one. So that's great. Um, well, maybe to wrap up, is there anything that you would want our, my listeners to know? Anything you'd want to kind of share to the world? Anything you feel has been really valuable to you in your life? Well, I, I think, you know, in, in context of your sport, mountain biking, because I've owned mountain bikes for 30 years and, you know, that's what I'm on every day. Yeah. I'm already since Memorial Day, I've gotten over 300 miles so far this summer. Um, it Since I can't run, I'm going to do something to keep in shape. Um, but the most important thing is is love the sport. Never lose your love for the sport. Yeah. And if you understand your training and what you're doing um, and do it to for enjoyment, then the personal best, the personal records, the, the success will be there. And you're going to savor those experiences. You know, we take it. I tell the boys, just trust in your training. Enjoy it one day at a time. Some days are harder than others, but if you have that conquer attitude and not a survive attitude, you're going to enjoy the experience and you're going to come away um, with memories for your for the rest of your life. And, and it's mm -hmm. going to be one of your favorite times. I mean, my still my best friends from our my best friends from my teams from high school and from college. Wow. And we had a we had a track team reunion at BYU about a month ago after their track invitational. And I saw some friends there that I hadn't seen in many years. And and uh I just and then I had dinner with a buddy who brought his kids down from his from Alaska to run at the BYU invitational. And so we went out for dinner and had a great time. I hadn't seen him in 30 years, 25 years. So um, those connections, the personal connections with your teammates, with your coach, um, even with your competitors is, is something to savor and enjoy. And uh, always, always count your blessings that, that you have these opportunities and that you can, you're capable of doing things that most people, you know, haven't caught a vision of how, how fun life can be if you mm. put a tremendous amount of effort into something that's worthwhile and sports is one of those things that enriches life. Yeah. Beautifully said. Well, thank you so much, Timo. That's uh, it's been a pleasure talking to you for the past hour or so and hearing your fundamentals and success as a coach, you can, I think from this conversation, there's been a lot that's been shared that shows why you've been such a successful coach, your ability to really focus on, racing and training your own race and focusing on having fun and and making it something special um and the and then just the foolproof scientific training right that that gets the job done so um i loved having you as a teacher loved having you on the show but i hope i hope that you have another successful race season this fall oh thank you thanks for having me on i hope hope something i said will resonate with your listeners and and uh whether they are runners or triathletes or, or mountain bikers, that, that they'll benefit from something I said. Absolutely. There was a lot of, a lot of wisdom shared, so I'm sure they will.